0: to the Smart Connector podcast, which looks at the power of connection in business and life. Featuring solo episodes, as well as a range of exciting interviews with entrepreneurs across multiple sectors, we offer tips and advice to build your impact, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons and become a Smart Connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. This is an interview with Israeli-based internet marketer Shlomi Shraga, who specializes in helping tech startups raise capital for their businesses. He's a direct response specialist, meaning he uses traditional methods as well as online methods of lead generation, and an investor himself who brings the expertise in strategic marketing implementation to disruptive technology partnerships. If you're interested in tech marketing and disruptive industry sectors, you'll love this interview between us. Smart Connector the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to interview Shlomi Schrager, who's an engineer turned direct marketer who's set to revolutionize um, tech startup marketing. Welcome, Shlomi. It's lovely to have you here.
1: Thank you, Jane. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Shlomi, you're based in Israel. Is that is that right?
1: Yes, yes. I'm in Israel. I live in a small town about uh, 30 minutes north of Tel Aviv.
0: Wonderful, but you work globally,
1: right? Yes, yes, I do.
0: Yeah, which is amazing. So let's get into it without further ado, Shlomi. Tell us what you do and how you came
1: to to do what you do. Mm, Okay. So basically, I'm a direct response marketer and copywriter, uh, which is basically doing marketing um, in the more traditional way of um, like the days in the direct mail order where they would, uh, you would understand, define the crowd, you have a certain product that you want to sell to a certain crowd, and you basically find a way to connect the two and then create the whole marketing strategy and implementation, which is the copywriting uh, for that specific uh, market and product. And what I do is I basically, I come from a technical background. I'm an engineer, I've worked for uh, almost uh, 10 years In the Israeli defense market as well as uh, global tech giants such as Intel and Motorola and I came to marketing I'd say accidentally I was uh, helping my wife uh, start her own business and I said okay well you know I understand how internet works and I'll help you promote your uh, business and I just did what I thought I should do. I had no idea about what marketing really is and nothing really worked, of course. So <laughs> I, I just um, started, uh, like, you know, like an engineer started to, to study, to research this, um, this whole industry of direct marketing and basically fell in love with it in the process. So I've studied and mentored under some of the best marketers and copywriters in the world. Actually, most of them are English speakers. Actually, all of them are English speakers. And so I came to find to the realization that, you know, I'm an engineer and I'm a marketer, so why don't I combine the two? And hmm. what would be more exciting to then to work with the entrepreneurs of the tech industry, which are the startups? Um, so that's how I find my way into working with uh, with tech startups. Basically, I help them with uh, marketing strategy and implementation via the copywriting, um, basically to uh, to do any kind of um, thing that would promote their product or service, whether to the, their certain market to find clients and customers or uh, to uh, in- investors that invest
0: in such startups. Mm, That's a really interesting proposition. In fact, I'm actually starting this evening, as we speak, an investment raising accelerator program. And so I I know that a lot of people want to attract investors, whether they're in tech, as you said, or any, any form of startup, or whether they're in real estate, which is my speciality, if you like, Interesting because I think a lot of people have just gone down the traditional route for attracting investors and networking, face to face, you know, possibly some LinkedIn outreach or whatever. But a lot of it has been referrals and networking. And of course, now with COVID, all of that is um, very severely curtailed, isn't it? So I'm really, really interested to explore how you would market to help uh, startups raise investment.
1: Okay, so actually, it's uh, interesting that you raised. Uh, you, you were talking about accelerators because I work with some accelerators here in Israel, uh, mm. even specifically about raising investments, and also I, I'm a mentor in uh, GAN, the Global Accelerator Network, which is a mm. global network of accelerators, as the name implies, um, and. My approach to uh, getting investors is it's not it's not a very common approach and this kind of ties in why I want to revolutionize the tech startup industry is most tech startups uh, enter the ecosystem of accelerators where it's kind of it's a program where they get showered by huge amounts of information. They got to do a million things at once. They don't know which comes before which, but obviously they need money for everything. And so the climax of the accelerator program is like, okay, now is the demo day, right? Where you would first time come before a certain investor and you would pitch them the product or service, basically pitch them the idea and hope to raise funds. Now, what I did actually, and I did this uh, webinar uh, here in Israel as well as abroad, and I explained that investors are uh, amazing. You know, you'd be surprised to to know this, but investors are human beings actually, <laughs> and yeah. they, yeah, and they people basically don't like it when strangers come to them and just straight out of the blue ask for money, right? I mean, well, a lot definitely... of uh, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the the common approach is like, well, these are investors. This is what they do, right? But I always say that, you know, marketing is first and foremost about communication. And so human communication is the most important. Like, you know, the saying goes, people don't buy from uh, businesses and businesses don't buy from businesses. It's all people buying from people. Definitely. Exactly. And you have that certain relationship. It can even come to the point where the numbers don't matter, and I've even proven them. I just I get certain quotes I find on you know in, in tech startup media, and I show them that investors need to have a very good feeling about the certain people that they invest in because they don't just invest in the company; they invest in the people. And especially in startups, when at the beginning, they don't have yet a product, they don't have a marketing system, they have an idea. There's a person with an idea. So the whole concept of how I taught them to approach investors is, first of all, do the research like you would do for any type of other crowd. An investor is a certain person in a crowd. It's a different crowd than your client or customer, but it's still, it's a, it's a persona, as they like to call it. It's a different persona that you want to attract. Study that person, understand what interests them, right? Because you're going to give them a certain proposition and you want it always to, uh, as we say, um, you want to enter the conversation going on in their mind. hmm What's going on in their mind? What has happened in their world ever since COVID struck? So what are investors looking for right now? Well, they're in this certain uh, state of uncertainty, right? Like everyone else. What's going on in the world? What's the right investments? They can't just sit on the money because they need to invest it in something, but they're afraid to make a mistake, right? So try to go into that mindset and think about how you can create certainty in such an uncertain world and become that investor, instead of thinking of it just as going up on stage on demo day and asking for money, think of being that investor's trusted advisor, become his trusted advisor by basically giving him the information about what's going on in your market the, the market where your product is where their startup is and give him the the information and the facts that will get him to to get to an informed decision where you create clarity and you, you create you know you give him the uh, the certainty that he craves basically um, so that that's basically the, the the principle the strategy of it and as far as the the, the way to implement, um, I'd say that would be the thing that kind of really uh, shook them up. And what I mean by that is, like I said, I come from the uh, direct response uh, school of marketing, let's call it, where basically it's the most um, um, personal way of communicating, of marketing, basically, where... In the good old days of mail order, which not many know, but it's still the good old days today because mail, mail order and uh, direct mail is very alive. Um, it's just not online where all the focus and attention is. But you would send, someone would send, would get a, a mail, a very personal mail introducing, uh, someone would introduce themselves in the mail and explain th- something and basically get the other person who's reading it to end up with a certain action. And when you've done the research, you understand the mindset of your uh, investor and you can connect between that mindset and your market, your product or service and do it in a very personal way as if you were speaking directly to them, you were sitting across from them at a coffee shop or at a bar or whatever, a very social a kind of way, and you would talk to them as, as you would talk to a person you would meet, maybe even a good friend, and explain what you're doing and explain about your marketing and basically get interested, well, you can't really lose because either it's a good, a good a good fit at that right time, and then something would happen, or it's not a good fit. But basically what you've done here is you've set yourself uh, apart from the crowd right? I mean, it's all noise. There's so much noise online. Everyone is, every marketer on earth is basically fighting for our attention, right? Um, All the emails, alerts, um, WhatsApp, um, uh, everything, you know, online media, social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that stuff. It's There's a lot of noise. And when you communicate in the regular way of sending an email, or promoting something online, you basically compete with everybody else. But I'll ask you this, Jane: um, When was the last time uh, you went to the mailbox?
0: Oh, probably about two weeks ago.
1: <laughs> okay, two weeks ago. Now, what? Why did you go to the mailbox?
0: Well, I was actually posting a letter to my father because my father doesn't use um, computers anymore. He just writes letters. So I just made him feel good by sending him a card.
1: Excellent. This is a great example. I wasn't expecting this, but okay. I'm so glad you said it because, you see, the, the personal communication of a direct mail, a piece of a letter, a piece of paper in front of you is so different, uh, it differently perceived than an email, right, because there's no distractions. You have this piece of paper. On your table, or like you said, you know, your father. So you send you send him a card, a postcard, or or any some other type of of uh, um, thing you can basically send in an envelope or put in a mailbox, and so you you create this very uh, uh, personal, intimate uh, communication with that person, even though you're not there. mm so it's very different it's very different you know when you're when you're fighting on on uh, attention of a, a person and it's a very special person like someone you know like your father or in a business environment it could be an investor it could be the person who invests in your startup and ba- basically gives you the the the, the ability to create a, your company then it's so different getting a male a personal envelope with a personal mail in the mailbox versus just sending another email in an inbox that is, you know, practically exploding from all the emails all day long. And the way that, you know, everybody thinks that that is the way to communicate and approach. Well, basically, it's it's the same on Demo Day where you're one of many. But let's say you sent that email before the demo day and the certain investor that you are about to pitch has heard of you or you've even maybe talked on the phone when you followed up that, uh, that mail, then that sets you you know on a whole different level than anybody else. So the, the bottom line is I was explaining that you know your best chances are creating this personal communication beforehand, so when you get to meet that investor, when the time has come for, for the actual, okay, let's sit down and see if this is something I want to invest in, it takes on a whole other level if you already know the person, and you've heard about the, the, the business and even maybe had a certain communication with him uh, in the last couple of months.
0: I like the idea of, direct mail using physical means as a novel and unique method to stand out and have an impact on, say, you have a very small target group of people because it is indeed a novelty these days. I mean, I remember when it it wasn't. And in fact, even when I did some of my uh, real estate training, uh, one of the uh, pieces of advice that they would give you is to send letters out to uh, people whose properties or whose land you're interested in in purchasing, and I think the, the reason why people find that um, such an onerous task is because it wasn't able to be automated. So, is, is this something that can actually automate the process?
1: Well, yes, yes, and and this is also um, um, this is another uh, misconception about direct mail. I was just talking a few weeks ago with a startup that i understood they had a very um very big problem uh, they couldn't send emails but they had physical addresses and i was explaining well listen you have a golden opportunity with direct mail here you're not fighting for the attention I mean, what is the last time you had uh, junk mail from you know it doesn't go ar- uh, around a lot these days like it used to junk mail getting junk mail in the in the mailbox basically you go to the mailbox either to get a personal letter for someone you know which doesn't always happen much that was always that's that's why I was so happy to hear about how you communicate with your father I think that's amazing uh, but usually we go to the mailbox because we're afraid of getting uh, you know mail from the IRS or something like that so it's it's a It's a way of communication that um, we we have to respect we have to go there, but there are not many people fighting for our attention in that specific medium now mm. as for as for um, automation, you'd be surprised to know that there are um, still today direct mail uh, publishing houses where uh, certain businesses. With smart marketing, and I know for a fact that a lot of big marketers are doing this. uh, Basically, you when you have um, a mailing list of prospects um, that you can mail, either you rented the the mailing list or it's your own in-house mailing list. You can uh, through these uh, publishing uh, through these direct mail publish houses. Um, they, they're called, it's like the fulfillment center, basically. They do, they send these direct mail envelopes and you can get really sophisticated with it, uh, but you can send millions of letters in each month and people actually do that. Um, if you would look at um, financial newsletters, health newsletters, these are the two biggest direct mail industries in the world, and these, uh, these places they send, I know this for a fact, they send paper and ink through the mail, tens of millions of them or more uh, each month. So it can be very, you can do a very small test, Even send the mails yourself through your closest uh, post office. Or you can, you know, uh, uh, send once you scale, you test it and, and, and it works. You, you, you've done your tests, then you can scale this, and there's no limit of where you can go with, it, with this.
0: Mm. Uh, actually, it reminds me that uh, I went into a, a funnel of a guy that had a marketing agency in there in Melbourne in Australia. Uh, but they're obviously very very active online. And one of the strategies that he uses is he sends out a copy of his book, and he charges postage and packing. But if you've gone into his funnel, you've seen his ad. He makes the offer for a free book. And then, of course, you have to, to get the free book. You have to give up your postal address. And then the book comes. And even though you've had to pay postage and packing, so I guess there's still a uh, an upfront cost to that. So it's a bit of a loss leader to a certain extent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you still feel, oh, you know, I've got something for free. And um, I think it works really well, as you said, just simply because it's a much more empty space really
1: isn't it these days yes yes definitely it's it's and it's it's what's funny is that if you think about how much it costs to acquire leads online these days if you're talking about a business lead and you're acquiring them through um through linkedin or even uh uh, google display networks there it's it's several several bucks a lead i think i think i I bet you would pay more than $10 for a lead. What's funny about it is you can, well, depends on how you get the names. But for example, that person I was talking about, he had the names for free. So we didn't even have to pay to rent the names. And sending the letter, even through a publishing house, would be a fee, very few dollars. And you're not fighting for attention. You're, the, you're probably the only uh, personal mail that they would get that very day. Mm-hmm. And also, there are no spam filters. You know, this is a huge thing today that, you know, spam filters, you can be a, a very honest business owner, but something you've wrote, written in your email triggers the spam filter, the, 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 the Google spam filter, and, and oh, yeah. they never see your mail. They never see it. Yeah. That happens in direct so well. mail, and direct mail it doesn't exist, and there's you can't take away from it. You know, it's 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 just not the same seeing something uh, written in your mailbox on on, the, on a screen and holding a piece of paper like you said with the book. That's the perfect example. A lot of people uh, don't like Kindle because it, they just like feeling the book in their hands and turning the papers. It's something that it's been here for. Several hundreds of years, and it's it's already become part of our evolution, right? Where you know this all all of this online online stuff is here for just twenty years, so it's much more ingrained in us to to pay attention and even respect a piece of paper that we are holding in our hands or a book, mm-hmm. than than just seeing something online where. Somebody could have written it, and there are typos and a lot of uh, problems with it. And, and you know, it's it's just a different uh, expectation. It's a different experience. And and yeah, and there's a whole huge industry of and and, and know how about how to structure the mail and how to to draw attention and how to get the letter opened and. A lot of different mechanisms you can use um, to basically get the point uh, much uh, much better across.
0: Mm. So, so Shlomi, me, I mean, you're you're an investor yourself as well, aren't you? Yes. So, how does that work for you then? I mean, how do you integrate your in investment activity with all this work?
1: Well, so I basically I invest. Uh, I look to invest in companies. Where investment usually, when you say investor, then it's it always or mostly implies money. But a lot of times, especially in, in startups, the most valuable investment might not be money. It might be knowledge. It might be the certain skills that would help you um, eliminate uh, the the um, the very costly mistakes that will make your big basically make your startup fail. And you know, going back to those uh reasons why the most you know biggest reasons why startups fail and you know the number one without any dispute is just creating a product that nobody wants. Um and you know where you could have that certain knowledge beforehand or in a very early stage uh, of what people do want. Or maybe if you created something that nobody wants, how to change that into something that people might want before you invest a lot of time and effort to go on trying to sell something that you do want. Then I look at it a lot of times that my knowledge in in tech and in marketing is a skill that it's investment in an early stage. It has much higher value than money. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah, so, so what I do is basically I look for um, startups or SMEs, uh, uh, small companies that I see that the trends, the, the trends in technology and uh, what's going on in the world today. What will, what will COVID basically, what industries will be disrupted in the next few years because of what's happening today? And finding those businesses, finding uh, um, uh, small businesses or startups in those industries, and in basically investing, coming in as either an advisor, a marketing advisor, or coming in as a partner, or also helping uh, on finding ways. And there's a lot of creative ways in getting funding, uh, which doesn't have to be basically coming to, uh, venture capitalists or, or investors, but other creative ways um, to get funding for uh, for certain companies or startups. Um, so this is another type of project that I'm involved in.
0: Mm. So let's get on to some specific examples, Shlomi. So tell me, uh, give, give me an example of a company – for example, that, that you've invested in or that you've been helping recently.
1: Okay, so for example, let's talk about that example that I was talking before. Um, so I was helping, um, I was helping this uh, startup uh, that was. Um, you know what? I have a better example. Let's take a, let's take a different one. Um, a startup working in the in one of the accelerators that I mentor. Uh, Approached me, and it was um, was a uh, couple of months ago, and uh, during lockdown. And what's what's interesting about it is this uh, startup was basically creating an automated process for um, for restaurants or bars that were uh, basically. Automating the whole um, uh, customer process of ordering and the whole uh, billing and, and instead of someone have to imagine you come to a restaurant and you eat or you come to a bar and you order a drink and you don't have to go like this manual approach. You have to go to the cashier and take out your credit card and give him the, the credit card and he process it rather it would be all processed automatically through an app, and mm. yeah, so, so what I was um, helping them with is they said, well, everything's in lockdown right now, and the, um, the, the restaurants don't really care about this automation because they see it, they understand, it, it's very nice, it's very important. But not right now. We have other problems and, and, you know, hopefully things are going to open up very soon. And we're just, you know, fighting for ways to cut our costs. Uh Uh-huh. And so what I was uh, doing there, basically, I was taking a different approach and saying, well, like I said with the investors, let's look at it from the restaurant owner's point of view. Um, like you said, lockdown is about to kind of slow down, and, and basically the, the restaurants are about to start opening up again. Here in Israel, we just finished the second lockdown for—it was a, a month and a half, and things are starting to open up again. Um, so, so anyway, it was it was— very interesting that you know they were saying that. Well, okay, we have this uh, process and everything, uh, and the automation, and and they were totally neglecting something that really caught my eye. Um, it was their uh, um, their platform was the only one who had integrated um, a seating, where you would let's say um, in a in a theater when you go watch a movie when you order the ticket for the movie, you also pick a seat, right? When, when you order the ticket online. So they brought that concept into the restaurant business. Mm. One of the, the greatest things I love about marketing strategy is taking things that work in one industry and applying them to other industries. And usually that's it's amazing how you don't have to uh, invent the wheel, just need to find something that works and adapt it to your market. So I, I, I love the idea Spirit of the box. said, well, you know, this is an amazing thing. I saw this on your website, but you're not really talking about that. And I said, yeah, well, it's kind of a feature and, and all that, but, you know, it's not the main issue. The main thing with our platform is the, the, uh, the process automation, the whole, you know, payment process automation. So I said, well, look, now let's look at it from the business owner's point of view. They've barely made it through uh it was the end of first lockdown. Uh it was actually a, a US based uh startup. So I'm not really sure what's going on there today, uh if they are in lockdown or not, but they said that restaurants were about to open. It was after the first lockdown. So I told them, well look, look what's happening over there. Um you guys, you know the the, the restaurant business has has been the maybe the most uh the most impacted industry uh, because of this whole COVID situation. Um, A lot of restaurants have closed down and they're not reopening. And your clients, they are basically somehow they managed to survive this whole situation. And now they're opening up. They can't uh, open up in full capacity because of the regulations. Um, But they want to have, you know, they're, they're... open their doors and keep them open. Now, I'll ask you what I asked them. You know what's what is the greatest gift that you can give this kind of person who is now about to reopen their establishment and hope to actually survive this whole situation.
0: Yeah, well, well, I would say that they they would all be looking to cut costs because Certainly over here, for example, uh, the government introduced a 10pm curfew, which meant that double sittings in the evening were not possible. And of course, with social distancing, you know, there's, there's less capacity in the restaurants. Right. So anything that helps them cut costs. And I guess the thing about what you were talking about uh, with the when you book your table, you can also actually choose your table. And then you could even make your menu choices in advance, I guess. Um mm-hmm. it, any any process of automation, it cuts out the, the the most expensive element in any business, which is people. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, then part of the dining out experience is the the process of being looked after. Um and that would be a fine balance, doesn't there?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of tricky There, We were also talking about that. But, uh, but, you know, a lot of times that's exactly, that's the mindset of the business owner. Where how can I cut costs to survive? Well, as, as a marketer, I look at it in a slightly different angle and I'm saying, okay, let's say, of course, you know, you want to cut costs, but that that's just one part of the equation of, you know, maximizing profitability. The other side of the equation is let's see how we can maximize profits maximize the revenue right yeah and that was what i was looking at and, to- and i told them basically that the greatest gift that you can give someone who's reopening their restaurants barely surviving is to give them a full house each night oh yes Right. Imagine if you come to a business owner and you can tell him, look, I can provide you a solution right now that will help you know in advance when you have how many people are coming and how much, you know, uh, um, how much of a capacity you still have. And basically. This is with your uh, uh, dining, uh, automated uh, uh, dining seat feature. This is what you can provide because Mm. look at it this way. For example, people are now getting out of lockdown. They've been sitting at home, eating at home, everything done at home now, and they are getting out. What's the first thing they want to do? They want a night out, right? They do. And they would pay a lot of money for this experience, so the, the value of the experience just got up. Now, on the other hand, because of regulations, capacity, and obviously the restaurants that, the restaurants that have closed down and not reopening, the capacity and basically the, the, um, uh, how, many, how many seats there are for diners has gone dramatically down. Yes. So what this does in an open market is, right, it's demand versus request. And now the value of each seat in those restaurants has gone up, you know, uh, substantially. And let's say like in, in, a, in a movie theater, when you, when you want to see a movie and you can see how many uh, chairs are left, then you go and you order immediately, right? Well, this is what basically you've brought into the business uh, industry where now the business owner can send a promotion of, you know there's a uh, I'm reopening and they have a map they can choose the seating, but not, all, not only that, as you said, Jane, they can choose um, they can choose where they want to sit and I like, can like uh, think of it like in an airplane, right? You have coach, you have economy, you have business class, you have first class. So why not bring that concept into the restaurant? You want the best seat in the house? Well, you pay for it. Right? I like so, it. So so yeah, so this is what I said, you know, the, now you can come to the business owner and say, well, this is not an expense, what we are offering you. This is a way to increase revenue because when, when people order their seat in advance, then you know exactly how many people you how many places you have left. And when you know in advance how many seats you have left, you can create certain promotions to get those seats filled up. On the and on the and the other side of that is every open seat now that the people are looking for to dine in has just gone up in value. So you can charge even more for those seats. You can maximize their profit, and they can know in advance that they have a, a full house each and every night because this this is what your app. This is the capabilities your app provides them.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, it's just amazing when you talk about that because I re- remember being I was actually on a boat in Thailand, but um it was a kind of a special restaurant. But because they, the customer service tends to be very good out there because there are a lot of people who um perhaps you know they they struggle to kind of earn a, a good living and so on. Mm-hmm. So. I remember the experience of having basically one waitress to each guest and they would stand around us and every time we took a sip of our drink I was a little bit over the top but they would just fill it up and be very very attentive and the feeling of being looked after was absolutely overwhelming and I guess that is also something that you could personalise you know you could actually personalise the level of service couldn't you?
1: yeah yeah definitely that's that's another yeah the, the the best the best seat in the house has the best service in the house and yes and you can you can expand that and basically you can you can basically help you know the the although the restaurants have been hit really hard you you basically you see that you know the demand has also got got very you know it's shot through the roof
0: oh it really has Yes, certainly in, in the area that I live in, yes, it's very hard to get a table. You know, some, some of the restaurants are booked up four weeks in advance.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, so this is the kind of thing where, you know, um, now they're not in the place where they were scaling yet. They were still looking for their early adopters. But look at how much the marketing strategy and the change in that perception changes the whole picture. Right now, suddenly they're not another expense for the business owner saying, uh, you know, hey, this sounds great, but I'm trying to cut costs now. I'm not ready for, for implementing this. Changing that into, wow, this thing can give me a full house each night, every night. I can price the different uh, tables based on where they sit and how much they're being serviced, as you'd say. And suddenly the business owner says, well, you know, this is not an expense. This is an amazing investment. This is a game changer for me. If the guy next door, the restaurant next door doesn't have this and I do, then it's it's a totally different, uh, different game altogether, right?
0: I actually had an experience in um, one restaurant recently where they had implemented something like this, but it was a relatively low-end restaurant, and the experience of ordering the food at the table via an app was... I wasn't overly keen on it because, of course, that element of service is something that we all enjoy in restaurants. But as you said, if you can move up and down the scale in terms of customer service and that people they can actually pay for vip access to the best tables and the vip option then um then you know that that's great or if they want to cut costs it's a bit like um when uber came out and they offered car sharing or they offered um just a range of different options depending on your budget i can see how it could there could be parallels? So Shlomi, um, as a result of this uh, podcast, who who would you like uh, to reach out to? You who would be ideal for you as a customer or as a contact?
1: Right now, I believe that I can provide the highest value, and I'm interested in helping tech startups or tech um, SMEs, small medium um, enterprises that have the need and have the means to uh, invest in a serious uh, marketing um, strategy or they have a marketing strategy which they feel that is not working as well as it should then I'd love to see if I can help you because let's be honest I can't help anyone or everyone basically but I can see if you know if it's a good fit. And I offer basically a, um, a free audit where if you have a marketing uh, strategy that, oh, that's already implemented and, and I can go through it with you and explain where I see the holes in that funnel. And then if it, you know, if it makes sense and if we see it's a good fit, then we can talk about maybe working together.
0: That sounds absolutely amazing. So Shlomi, what's the best way for people to get in
1: touch with you? Um, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. That's where we connect, them, basically. Um, yeah. And uh, also my uh, my business email is Shlomi. That's S H L O M I at Shlomi Shraga. Where Shlomi, as in the first time, and then Shraga. That's S H R A G A dot org. That's my business mail. I answer it personally, and uh, I usually answer within. Two or three business days, and uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to hear from you.
0: Lovely. Well, Shlomi, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolutely fascinating interview. And I've already got who I'm going to put in touch with you who has a tech startup. So, um, yeah, hopefully you will we'll do some business as a result of this.
1: I hope so. I'll do my best. <laughs> thank you very much, Jane. It's been an amazing experience. Thank you for having me great
0: all right then bye for now okay bye bye thanks for listening in if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to rate and review my podcast as it will help me bring the power of connection to the world i work one-to-one to help entrepreneurs ignite the power of authentic connection in their businesses and lives I also help them accelerate their results through attracting and converting more of their ideal clients. And if this is something you'd like to do too, why not head on over to www.idealclientsuccess.com masterclass and I'll show you how.